what's that you hear? Yes, it's me. I'm back. Freddie is back on the Winging It F1 podcast. I had a bit of a break for my sanity. I don't know. Um, just for fun. And I'm back. Oh. And Nigel and Adam are still here, having done a fantastic job of holding the fort as a duo, as a podcast, while we've been away. We're here for a Dutch Grand Prix preview. Uh, we're going to be singing you our rendition of Supermax at the end of the podcast. So stick around for that. But first, I'm going to introduce my beautiful co-hosts to this podcast, Adam and Nigel. Adam, you're still in America. How are you doing, mate? You looking forward to the Dutch Grand Prix? Yeah, I think if I wasn't still in America, it'd be an issue. But yeah, I'm looking, it's nice to have the gang back together. <laughs> we're, it's fun doing it with Nigel, but now we're all back. And yeah, it's exciting and excited to get up at probably half seven to be able to watch the Dutch Grand Prix qualifying, which... I did at Spa as well and watched the race, but didn't watch the race, which was a morning wasted. But hopefully that doesn't happen this time. So, yeah, I'm excited. Brilliant. Yeah. That's good to hear. Nigel, how are you doing? Amazing. Uh, like I said to Adam and Freddie before we started recording, I don't, I can't see the video for some reason, but I can hear them. So I don't know what they're doing. Uh, and I'll have to look back afterwards and find out. <laughs> Yeah, you will do. I mean, for the most part, you're um, we're able to see you, so we can you, you're off the hook, but yeah. we're not. So Adam and I can do whatever we want on this vodcast side of the podcast. Um, but yeah, we're going to get straight to it because it's a big news moment for F1. We've not got much time. Um, I don't know if you can hear my dog in the background having an absolute fit. Oh, I anyway. thought I was like outside my house. <laughs> <laughs> Or maybe, maybe I am. Anyway, um, you can't see my video. But yes, so we're going to go straight to it. The big news that broke last night, completely unwarranted, completely way too early and caught us all by surprise. I'd left work already by that time and I had to go back to work. Oh, Kimi Raikkonen retired from Formula One, at the, retiring from Formula One at the end of the 2021 season. He's had a, he's had a good run. Um, but yeah, what do you make of it? Nigel, give us your Kimi thoughts. Oof. It's a strange one because I mean, for him to that's, be a, that's already too many syllables for a Kimmy thought. <laughs> oh. I was, no, it's just <laughs> making oh, sorry, I thought that was a delay. I thought there was a delay. No, I'll carry on. Yeah, yeah it's, a, it's a weird one because he's been around for 20 years, which is kind of mad for someone like Kimmy Viking, who you kind of think he could have dropped out of F17 or eight years ago. So he's He's had a great career, I think, and I think it's best to judge him on his McLaren days because he was extraordinary. He was like Verstappen now. He was he, he was just rapid, and he was against seven-time world champion Michael Schumacher. Fernando Alonso was on the rise as well, and he was arguably just as fast as them, and he thoroughly deserved to win a world title, arguably two. And I, I think... I don't think he's a legend, but I think he's one of the modern greats, is, is how I'd, I'd summarise his, his, his career. Mm, I think he's a legendary personality. He's iconic in F1 and has been for most of my lifetime, really. All of my lifetime, actually, um, which is weird to think about. But moving on from that, yeah, he's, you know, he, he, he could have kind of packed up a any point but he hasn't and I kind of like that that he's just carried on and he knows he can carry on and I think 
the world championship that he did get is quite a significant part of that in that you know he's I think that's been a big part of his draw certainly since leaving Ferrari um going to Alfa Romeo and having these three more seasons with Alfa Romeo. But, you know, even past his um, McLaren days, his time at his first spell at Ferrari was, you know, fantastic and yielded a world title, had one fantastic season and yielded a world title that was thoroughly deserved despite being completely unexpected and slightly heartbreaking. Um, And his time at Lotus as well was, you know, he was really strong in his two seasons at Lotus. um, Yeah, he was doing very well. He nearly bankrupted them because he was doing so well in um, podium bonuses and all of that. So, yeah, I think expected and, you know, I don't know how much he was kind of bringing to the sport, um, you know, as as he got older and, you know, we discussed on-track performances hasn't been the best and last weekend at Spa was a good example of that. But, you know, he's, he's such a, been such an integral part of F1 and I think, you know, it'll be a shame. I, I like his style and the Kimi icon and yeah. I think it'll be a shame to see that go yeah it will be a shame I think we I get a lot of stick on this podcast for being the old one and I was t- it was about around the time of my first birthday was when Kimi did his first F1 test so that sort of speaks volumes particularly to you two about his tenure um in F1 and yeah I agree with been racing for 42 years there we go. He was 42 years old himself. Um, I agree with Nigel on, yeah, remembering by his McLaren days, drivers peak at different times. And I think, yeah, Kimmy definitely peaked around 2005. I think that was a brilliant season. It was m- mad how good he was in that McLaren. Um, and I think was very, Fernando Alonso, I think was lucky to get that championship, in my opinion. Um, and yeah, like Adam said, his Lotus days were good. It was a shame it sort of did, tail off up against Alonso and Vettel and now, you know, Giovinazzi. So it's a shame it sort of tailed off against these other three great drivers. But um, yeah, it, it, it became such a running joke that he was going to stay in F1 for another year and another year and another year. I remember everyone going, well, Kimi will retire in 2015. But <laughs> now we're in, we were, it was still a possibility really that he would remain for the 2022 F1 season. And I think that's bonkers. I think that's brilliant. I think that's really, really brilliant. Really? Uh, uh, really? Really? I think the two things that stand out for me is he only did 23 races in his whole racing career before he yeah. joined F1, which nowadays is unthinkable. That is an obscene number. I think Christian Lundgaard did 50 at the end of last year and he's still in F2, for, yeah, for example. Good, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Uh, and Raikkonen, he's also the one-third of all of the F1 races ever. I think he's won 342, 341 races now. There's been well over a 1,050, something like that. So those are just incredible numbers. And he was never the same after he won the world title. It was almost like he 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 did what he wanted to do, and then he just, yeah, he just... He didn't sack it off, but he probably didn't have the same intensity or bring the same uh, focus, perhaps, that you know, every weekend that you need to do to, to win a, a championship. But he was just so good that 15, 16 years ago. And even now, I still think he's a match for, for, for Givinazzi. And it, it is the right time to go, but he's still 
he's, he's, he's not the worst five. He's not in my worst five drivers at, at the moment. So, yeah, but it's, it's definitely the right time to go, I think. I think his, his 07 win is, you know, you say he peaked in 05. But, you know, I still think he kept that skill. Maybe, you know, like you say, I think his time at Ferrari, definitely after the world title, he wasn't the same. But after the French or after the American Grand Prix, then he finished all but one race on the podium. So the second half, over half the season, he was on the podium apart from on retirement, which is just incredible consistency and came on strong at the end. And, you know, I think it's one of the most underrated world championship wins, really, because he was strong there and there was the McLaren element and Ferrari probably didn't have a right to win that driver's title really and McLaren did help them with that but equally Kimi was fantastic and yeah you know he's still winning races in Lotus which again was like an underdog story so yeah it's kind of but I think definitely after that you know once he went back to Ferrari that was really the end of any kind of peak Raikkonen um, yeah. or yeah but it's yeah it's it's a shame and I secret well it would have been funny if he stayed around for another five years to be honest and entirely believable but also his record of the most race starts I don't know maybe Alonso will beat that I don't know if Hamilton will I don't know if Vettel will I kind of imagine not really so it's such a long time to be in the sport I think there's no point yeah I think there's no point of thinking about um, most starts when Verstappen started so young uh, that's just going to come round to bite everyone when he's done 4,000 races by the time he's finished um, but yeah, I think, yeah, Kimi had a few peaks in, in his second Ferrari stint. I think pole at Monaco in 2017 stands out to me just because it was pure like, whoa, yeah. Kimi, what are you doing? Why are you doing well? That's not supposed <laughs> to happen. But then he, he did sort of build on that. And his 2018 season was very, actually very, a very good season for as a number two driver. He did a very good job, I think, in that year and was only was third in the championship. So that I think. Was a continue showed how high his peaks were. If we're talking about Ferrari, is not a peak and that kind of thing. But yeah, um, we've got a lot more to talk about because we could go on and do a Kimmy podcast forever, but we're not because we've got to talk about um, <laughs> the the dominoes that Kimmy's retirement looks set to push over. That's the segue we're doing because the dominoes haven't fallen yet, um, but we've got lots of announcements due to come if we were to believe panic gossip which we do um we're essentially very sure that george russell is going to be a mercedes driver for 2022 this has basically been an open secret since forever um so yes we expect that to be announced next week sometime we also expect valtteri bottas to go to alfa romeo um to be oh, by <laughs> Another driver, not Antonio Giovinazzi, is the certainty on that. Um, we expect Nicholas Atifi to remain at Williams for a third year, which I think is justified um, after two pretty decent performances, and to be partnered by Nigel's favourite, Alex Albon. So <laughs> let's delve into the nitty-gritty and the meat of all of this. Right, Adam, we're going to start with you on George Russell. Um, he said today that he knows what he's doing. Do you think it's just a matter of crossing eyes and dossing T's or the other way around? Um, I don't think you can cross eyes. Well, I mean, you can, but not on the contract. Um, I think it would be weird. Um, and that's the point of the phrase. I, I, I don't know if it's kind of been such an open secret just because of the fact that he probably should have been there 
last year and he wasn't. And it just kind of feels like it's been so long that we've been expecting Russell to go to Mercedes and it hasn't come out. But having said that, it feels like this is finally the time and he completely deserves it. He showed at Spa, you know, just in the rain, which equalises everything, how good of a driver he is on, you know, driver's conditions on the driver's track. And, you know, it's, it's exciting for him and, you know, to see post Hamilton, he should still be there if he can take the level of performance he had at Sakir through um, into that Mercedes seat. And yeah, I'm, I'm very happy for him. And, you know, I don't, I know Nigel thinks he's overrated, but I think, you know, he's justified the move completely. I said, that, I said that quite a long time ago. <laughs> <laughs> Um, Nigel, well, we have changed my mind. Fight back. Hmm? <laughs> <laughs> well, there's delay. Um, Nigel, you do your piece on George Russell. That's what we want now. Oh. Your comment. Uh, I think, yeah, it's the, it's the right move. I think that's all I've got to say. This is the right move, and we'll find out how well he does. There you go. Yeah, I think so too. Um, I think some of his performances this year have been exemplary. There have been a few mistakes, but I think Bottas has done more, really. Um, and if anyone's got more, anyone should be keeping a clean clean book, it should be Valtteri Bottas. So I think when you're comparing him to Bottas, I think, yeah, definitely put Russell in the seat. And I'm very excited by it, to be honest. I'm very excited by it. I think, I think it will be a couple of races to get up to speed, but it could really give us a nice little powerhouse at Mercedes really well I think it's something we don't need but it'd be great yeah well I think it's just exciting because you know if the asterisk of if the move does indeed go through but you know you'll have the most talented young drivers at teams that are capable of winning races <laughs> this year and hopefully after after switch two and you know it's kind of all building up very nicely where you've got McLaren seeming to be Norris's team and Ferrari being Leclerc's team and then Mercedes I think Russell will be competitive even if it is you know still the Hamilton show whether it will be or not I don't know but I think Russell will be able to be competitive regardless of that obviously Verstappen at Red Bull so you've just got all of these pieces kind of coming together where you know it, it's if teams do nail the um, the regulations, then we should have we should be on for a really exciting season between a lot of big players, and that's kind of what we want to see in F one. Definitely, and the cost cap rules help that. And we've spoken about this a lot, but I think I think we're in for a pretty exciting future for Formula One. Um, so yes, we think Russell tick Valtteri Bottas, Alfa Romeo. Would you say ninety nine percent certain, Nigel? Yeah, I think so. I don't see where else it's going to go. I mean, Williams is the other choice, but it seems in the last four or five weeks or so that that is where he's going to go. Not sure why, but I guess he's kind of stuck because if you think of the better teams, I guess, they're all filled out. So he's, he's kind of left with that unless he doesn't want to be in F1. But I think he's got a great opportunity to show that he can do some. He can put in some great performances and show his talent because he's not been able to do that for the last five years, or, or not, you know, at, at each weekend. So I think he can. It's a good move for Bottas, and I think people might realise how good he actually is. Yeah, he's been a bit. 
if you can go back to his sort of Williams form, which was consistently punching rather than consistently being punched, then I think that would be pretty good for him. I was quite pleased with saying that, by the way. I'm very <laughs> happy with that phrase. Um, Adam, your Bottas spiel. I think I actually kind of disagree with that a bit. The you know, moving from a team that is, is it still top of the Constructors' Championship? Um, yes. You know, it has been dominant to a team that's nearly bottom of the Constructors' Championship. I think that's quite a big fall from grace. And if you look at, you know, the other midfield teams on the grid, I think there's a few seats in there that, you know, Bottas could be in, really. And I think, you know, looking at, Daniel Ricciardo say, you know, I think he's done better this season and, you know, can probably do a better job at McLaren. Um, Red Bull, I think he's maybe done a bit better than Paris this season, although that's closer. So I think, I think it's quite a tough all for him, to be honest. And yeah, it's, you know, maybe that's kind of catching up with the fact that maybe there have been better drivers who could have been in the Mercedes seat while he's been having it. But yeah, it's going to be, I think a very different year for him next year, and that's going to be quite. Yeah, I think it's quite the reset he needs. I think, think I agree with Nigel on that because of the stuff he's been saying today in the media day for Zanvor. Um, he's essentially been saying that it's sort of the first good multi-year deal he's ever. He's what well, that he's wanting to get a good multi-year deal. It's something that's never really happened to him before. He's been on tenterhooks every year at Mercedes, and it seems to be that he's rejuvenated by going to a team that it's giving him a little bit more faith than Mercedes ever did. It seems to be what he's saying there. And, and I think, yeah, he had that at Williams, but I think he definitely, he think he more had the kind of sort of, it was all year by year at Mercedes. So I think he's definitely buoyant because of uh, the faith Alfa Romeo are giving to him, at least behind closed doors currently. But, and I think that can definitely have a huge impact on a driver. We've seen Valtteri, Valtteri be very sort of affected by, defeat and things like that his 2018 season was woeful and sort of the latter half of 2020 was also pretty naff because he was just getting battered down so maybe this kind of opportunity would sort of rejuvenate him as a driver but I think we yet to see it's hard to sort of say yes it's a difference racing for the team that's in ninth in the constructors to the team that's in first in the constructors that's that's how it is but in, for Valtteri at this point it's the job that he can do for a slower team and if you can do a job that's very good for that slower team he's achieving the best he can it's it custom stores that but yeah yeah i mean you know obviously they could be you know the landscape will be very different after the 2022 regs but if you know just taking alfa romeo where they are now they're not a competitive team really you know even going somewhere like aston martin where there's the chance to you know get top five in qualifying if it all goes right you know get a podium if it all goes right and he's not going anywhere near that it you know for alpha this season a good job has been scoring points getting into you know q2 and q3 so yeah i just i think it's it's a shame because i think he could do a good job at a lot of the teams on the grid and i don't really feel like he needs to slide this far down the grid to find a team that or he shouldn't have to slide this far down the grid to find a team that believes in him but if he was going to do that he would have you know, other drivers would have had, had to get, get out of their contracts and I'll take Ricardo, he's on a three year deal, isn't he? Or uh, Vettel or Stroder on multi year deals, I think. So it would have been yeah. a lot harder. Whereas 
the Alpha drivers are all out of contract at the end of this year. So yeah. I don't really think he had the chance. Yeah, but I just, you know, I it's you know it's that or Williams is the only option really available to him. But I just mm. think you know in general it's not. You know, I guess it's a good move that he gets to stay in F1. But beyond that, I don't really, you know, think it's an amazing career move for him. A lot could change next year. Mm. Yeah, it, I think it's. I think it's the, the the noises we're getting from Valtteri's camp seem to make it sound to me like it's the best move Valtteri's got at this stage in his career, and that there's lots that's aligning to make it better than just a performance. Drop if that makes sense, like I've just said. But we're, we're going to see. I mean, talking about where Alfa Romeo are going to be next year is a whole ke- different kettle of fish based on if you if you listen to what Fred Rasser and Javi Pujola say, the technical director, that they're kind of very buoyant by the fact they've got a bit of money behind a, um, a regulation change this time, whereas they didn't in 2017. They've said they've been reaping the, the crap from that basically since then. Then the fact that they did a whole regulation change with, tuppence and now they're doing it with actually money and i think that that shows where they've got bottas and he's not gone to williams i think um alfa romeo can give him a probably a few million more than williams could could do um but yes um it's the second seat in alfa romeo i think is more interesting in terms of silly season driver market vibes because there are a few drivers in the mix. We've got Formula E world's champion, Nick DeFries, also former Formula 2 champion. Um, a name that's been flown around a bit is F2 ART driver and Salva Jr. Teo Porcher. A name that's fallen out of the mix is Alfa Romeo reserve driver, Callum Eilat, um, who's now going to do a one-off in IndyCar. Um, is there anyone else that you guys think has been linked to this seat? It seems to me like everyone has at some point. I guess Giovinazzi staying is the only one, but <laughs> it looks unlikely at the moment. It is looking unlikely at the moment. Mm. Essentially, every headline is leading with Giovinazzi out rather than confirming the other guys. Mm. Um, but I've, yeah. not any, I've not heard anything of Schwartzman being linked, which is a bit of a surprise. I thought maybe there'd be more on that, given normally a Ferrari junior is linked there. Yeah, that, 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 the that's case. a good shout. Yeah, because if Schwartzman does have a good second half of the season, which is which ends in December. There's six races in December or November, uh, which we won't find out for a while. Then, yeah, he definitely could be in the running as well. But the problem is, as I've said multiple times, the F2 season ends so late that the F1 teams want to to get any contracts done now. So you can't really do it. (laughs) Yeah, I think it is the F2 format that's really scuppered Schwartzman here, really, more than... um... I'm poor, sure. And poor chair, yeah. really. At least, at least he's getting thrown in the mix. He did that private test with the team mm. in um, the start of August with Mahavir Rag- Raganathan in the other car. He's not been linked to the seat, though, interestingly. <laughs> I thought he would be right in the running. But go on then, Nigel. Give us the case for Teo Porcher. Why should Teo Porcher get promoted to Formula One? He's Is he 18 yet? He's... <laughs> That's a good question. I don't yeah, know. Yeah, he is. He just turned 18, he 18 two weeks ago. Wow. Okay. He's half the age of Freddie. There we go. One third of the age of Freddie. <laughs> uh, so, uh, Porsche, I think out of the whole, for the last 12 months, I think he's the one driver in, in the junior series who could become a future world champion. Uh, I really do think he's, he's a special talent. Ooh. And 
you know, the, the obvious uh, thing, the Astri, no. <laughs> okay. Uh, Carry on. <laughs> Corsair, not, not, you know, race winner, yes, but not world champion. But Corsair, he, like, he, he, he jumps into a, a category and he just does well instantly. And I think that's, that's quite something, especially in, in F2, which is quite tricky with the cars and the tyres these days. And I really, there's just, I don't know, there's just something about him where I think what, if, he, if he does get to F1, I think he'll shine kind of like Leclerc did in 2018 with Alpha. So that's kind of how I see him. Maybe I'm giving him, maybe, maybe my expectations are, are too big. But yeah, there's just something about him. Yeah. Do you think, because with the Leclerc comparison, Leclerc had a completely dominant season in F2 and kind of Porsche, you know, he's done well, but he's not, you know, kind of running away with it the same way. So does that kind of concern you? Leclerc had though. It Mm. wasn't great. It was kind of like in in this field, there's no in in this field, there's no future world champions, apparently. But yeah, I I know. I think think there's no future world champions, but I think it's very good. It's a lot Mm. better than uh, 2017-2019. I'd say it's similar to the 2018 with Norris and Russell and uh, Albon. (laughs) I think it's a good field. I think Piastri, Lawson um, and Porcher have all done actually really the same job in my eyes of coming into this category and doing very, very well. I think the arguments you give for um, Porche, you can give for Lawson and Piastri as well, in my eyes, and I think they're three very good drivers. Um, I do just think there will be gaps for them when there are gaps for them, and you know, we, we've seen the sort of hyper-promotion speed of some drivers like Sonoda, where there's the, the next big thing, the big deal and that kind of stuff, and they're knocked out in Q1 every week and that kind of stuff. So, I do kind of think maybe a bit of hesitation might be on the cards for that, but obviously you can't leave a driver on the sidelines for too long. Look at um, Giovinazzi. He was a bit half-baked because he was left out while he was on such momentum. So who knows really with that? I think he's a great driver. I just, I was surprised to see him in the running this early on in his life, really. Um, I'd say, Adam, what's your poor chair? Perusal of the word, I don't know. Yeah, I'm mm-hmm. perusing all the Porsches. No, I think <laughs> I think I'd maybe agree with that. That he's had such rapid promotion. I mean, he was in um, ADAC F4 in 2019. You know, it's wow. which is quite similar to Sonoda, really, who just went from Japanese F4 to F3 to F2 to F1 and back to back. Um, yeah. So. Yeah, I mean, he's going to, I think as long as he finishes in the top 10 this year in F2, then he'll get his super license and that'll be a big tick. Um, And yeah, I I kind of agree. I don't think, actually, I don't think I have a strong feeling either way. If he does get announced in the seat, I think fair play. That's really good. And I'm happy for him and excited to see what he can do. But equally, if not, like you said, there's plenty more opportunities. We know how beneficial the second season in F2 can be and we can judge him more there so you know i don't really you know there's more exciting drivers um not more exciting than him but there's more exciting drivers out there who could take the seat or equally you know he could and oh you know there's a fair few drivers that i'll be happy to see in the seat moving on to yeah. nick de Vries, just 
just clinched the first ever Formula E World Championship for Mercedes. There's been a lot of push from Mercedes to get him into a Formula One seat. They think he deserves a chance. He tested an F1 car for the first time for them in Abu Dhabi last year. Um, and mostly that's because really Mercedes have, have pulled the plug on Formula E. But do we think this 2019 F2 champion, who was mostly over, well, completely overlooked in mm. for a 2020 seat, do we think he's the real deal for Formula One drive? I mean, there were that many seats available in, in 2020. It was only Latifi, I think, that moved up, which is probably the reason for that. DeFries, yeah. Yeah, but I, I guess I'm going to echo what Nigel was about to say, that he deserves a shot. And yeah, it's you know, exciting. Again, kind of, you know, he, he had an up and down junior career, really, and kind of dropped in and out of... Was he in the McLaren Driver Academy? I think he was. He was. He was, um, he was sort of the tail end of the Dennis McLaren proteges and was so sort of usurped <laughs> by Norris when Zach Brown took over. Yeah, so, you know, I think, again, we don't know how... You know, he has been competing in light drive in that seat, but we don't know how that kind of will have affected his, you know, F1 formula car driving. Um, but, you know, he's, it's a good seat to go into with someone in his position that he's not being pushed in a bit further up the ladder. He can kind of get used to it. And he's had, you know, a fairly decent amount of F1 experience through being a Mercedes junior. And, you know, it'll be getting him another Mercedes junior in the seat. And that's good for them program as well so kind of yeah excited to see again if he gets announced you know if him or for chair you know equally excited to see them in mm. it's it's an interesting move because i would have thought he would go to williams but it seems mm. mercedes are now looking to bed him with alpha uh so i do think he did he deserves a chance whether he'll do well i don't think so which isn't good for a good look for for former e but he definitely does deserve a chance and hope he can prove me wrong. <laughs> I think of the drivers in Formula E this year, he's one of the few who's sort of had absolute raw pace on his side. For a lot yeah. of a lot of them yeah. have had classic Formula E japery on their side, which can get a bit frustrating. Yeah. But I think De Vries is one of the few in that series <laughs> that's had um that's had pace on his side. And I think he's definitely a driver in the best form that he's been in um of his life and i think i'm really kind of really want i want him to get the seat because i'm kind of excited to see him in formula one i think i'm more excited by him now than i was when he was in f2 definitely um i think that was mostly because like nigel said earlier you had the russell alban norris sort of influx and then leclerc before that and um gasly before that as well that kind of defreezes just that little bit of a tail end but i think he's as good as and he's competed with them all the way through his career and and beat them at times so who knows who knows what's going to happen but i i, I think i want to freeze do you think because we've kind of got used to you know in our you know most f1 fans in their driving market kind of predictions and thoughts you know seem to be splitting the grid up into basically engine providers and like oh you know we've got these you know the mercedes juniors go to the mercedes teams and the ferrari juniors go to the ferrari power teams or whatever so if De Vries went to Alpha, do you think he'd like cut ties with the Mercedes program, or you know, because no. Ferrari no. do? I think as part of their contract, they have like control over at least one of the Alpha. No, seat. that's not, not anymore. Anymore? Is it not? Okay. With Williams and Mercedes as well, I don't think. So yeah. Okay. 
I think um, Pascal Verline went to Sauber in 2017 and still had Mercedes branding all over his helmet and everything when they have Ferrari <laughs> engines. I think it's just a case of really, if anything, it gives them a discount on a seat and then they can give some money towards Bottas, that kind of thing. So okay. there were a few rumours that Alfa Romeo would take at Mercedes. But I think that was more someone just being an idiot on Twitter rather than rumours. Yeah, but it just, you know, the kind of DeVries thing seemed to have come out of left field because normally it's Ferrari drivers who are linked to Alfa and, you know, that's where the ILOT rumours come from and the fact that he's a reserve driver, but he's only a reserve driver because he's with Ferrari's junior team. So, yeah, I think that was it. But, yeah, that's all I had to say on that. Yeah, uh, Fred Vasseur has huge links. The uh, Alpha team principal has huge links with ART, who um, were the team that Nick de Vries won the F2 championship for. He used to basically, he, he basically managed that team for about 10, 15 years, did Fred Vasseur. So like he always, he's, he's got a close eye on ART drivers and knows what, what's the deal with that. And he's just close with everyone, is Fred Vasseur. So I kind of think, Wherever anyone is, it would work out. I wouldn't be surprised if even a Red Bull driver ended up in like that, in an Alpha seat, but, or a Mercedes seat. Well, there's a Red Bull driver ending up in a Williams seat. Um, there we go. <laughs> we think Alex Albon is going to take over from George Russell, and not from Nigel. He's left the podcast. It's, with his it's camera a shock to Nigel so <laughs> much hearing that that he's his camera is broken. Our resident <laughs> Alex Albon fan. Nigel Chu, um, is are you how happy are you to see a return to the 2018 Dams lineup from Formula <laughs> Two, Nigel? I know you're a big fan of Dams. Uh, what like I a beaver? A question because of my internet. <laughs> Albon to Williams. What do you think? Woo! Albon to Williams. Uh, I he deserves so to redeem himself. I think. Um, like I really do. I, I, it'll be interesting to see how how he goes. And my, like, similarly to DeVries, my expectations are not that high. I mean, they were pretty low to begin with, and he still underperformed. But uh, yeah. so we'll see how he goes next year. But I do think he deserves a chance because he, I, I think he's shown enough in his Alpha Tauri stint that he deserves it, that he should be on on the grid and pro- probably should be this year. So it. Yeah, it'll be interesting. <laughs> I really like the move, to be honest. I think he's shown that he can perform at Toro Rosso in, you know, a kind of nearer the back of the, you know, when he was at Toro Rosso, they weren't really a midfield team in the way they are a bit more now. Um, so, you know, I think the way he performed there is was great and hopefully it will transfer to Williams. I think it will. And, you know, if, if he can get the you know car working and there'll be a lot less pressure, you know, if Williams are where they are at the moment. And I think, like what you said with Bottas, I think it's a fantastic chance to reset for Albon and just go back to doing what he was when he first came into F1. And, you know, I, I, I think it's a great move for Williams. And, you know, outside of the kind of pure veterans and, you know, Hulkenberg's maybe, you know, the biggest one, you know, he's, I think he's the best option in terms of performance of what he'll bring to the car. And, you know, in terms of it's difficult to replace George Russell, obviously, but, you know, I do, I do genuinely think he can get near what Russell's been doing. Maybe not every week, but, you know, oh, I think God. he'll get there. <laughs> he's I a do. driver, I'm... one sec, Nigel. <laughs> he's a driver who, in his peaks in Formula 2, was way better than 
Russell and Norris on the days and that kind of stuff. And obviously on other days, Russell was way better than Albon and that kind of stuff. But that's how it fluctuated in that year. And he proved his pace and he's got two podiums and that kind of stuff. Yes, arguably he was in the Red Bull. He could have done a bit more, but I mean, Perez has got two podiums this year. So, I mean, does that become a whole other debate? I think the debate that comes there is that actually Gasly and Albon are two very good drivers because Perez is a very good driver. And I think Williams could do much worse than snapping up Alex Albon. Um, and I, I agree with Adam. It could be a rejuvenation of his career. And I think, I hope he does really well. I agree with all of what you guys have said about the Toro Rosso performances and a few of his rebel performances. Um, so, yeah, I really I hope mean, he does well. I think, I think there's a genuine chance he could rebuild himself as a decent midfield driver. I think where, where Gasly was when he left Red Bull is pretty much the exact same position that Albon was. And Gasly's had that chance to go back to the junior team and, you know, upped his performance level once he basically just slotted back in there and was back performing. And I think Alvin never really had that chance. So, you know, I, I think he can have a similar rejuvenation. He should have, you know, by rights, he should have beaten Kriat when they were in the seat together. And the only reason he didn't was because of the German Grand Prix where he should have got third, but he didn't because he was racing better, which is a weird situation. But, you know, it's, yeah, I'm, I'm, I think it's a great move for Williams and a great move for Albon. I'm excited. I'm back on I'll the Albon. I'll talk more train. about it when it's confirmed, Freddie. <laughs> okay. Okay. That makes a lot of sense. Um, we're just getting, ticking off topics from the box at the moment because there's so much to get on to. Um, mm. There are a few little little topics that, were, that, were, that popped up over the Belgian Grand Prix weekend that we need to address. Fernando Alonso is officially confirmed for staying for 2022. I'm going to be honest, I thought he was already confirmed for 2022. <laughs> so I was a bit like, well, yeah, Alpine, come on, don't you know who drives for you? But yeah, um, correct decision in my eyes. Uh, six races in a row in the, in the points before uh, Belgium, which wasn't real. So good. Yeah. Yeah. Cool. Paris staying for one more year. Good. <laughs> Uh, now that, oh. I think so, but not 100%. But I, I, I don't see, yeah, I'd say yeah, but not as certain. I think for me, Perez's season has been proof that anyone's going to be way off for Staffan. Um, so I think, yes, correct decision for me. I think he's been better at being way off than the others have. So, um, yeah, I, I completely agree with that. Yeah. Um, assessment of it really he's not the perfect number two there but you know he's he's the best shot that anyone's had at it so far so yeah and he's not trying to be something else he's he knows what the deal is he knows what the deal is with the team and the team have been quite candid recently about their development opportunities for 2022 and they have admitted that the, there are a few Verstappen traits in the car that are ironed out a bit with their 2022 car, which could make it a bit a lot better for Sergio Perez and Verstappen to do well in it. Um, so fingers crossed, that is the case, and we can see a very good front-running Sergio Perez next year. Um, currently, that's all headlines, mostly, more than on track, because obviously no 2022 car is on track, but we'll get there in 2022. Um, of course, there are more pressing matters at hand this weekend, which is the Dutch Grand Prix. First Dutch Grand Prix since Adam. Don't look it up. 86. 
85, very close. 36 I'll years ago. That. that might be where the six is in your mind. Um, <laughs> no, it's just a guess. Oh, wow, okay. <laughs> um, honestly, the amount of times I've written 36 years ago in the past two days is beyond me. Probably 36 times. Um, but yeah, we're returning to Zanvort uh, for a revamp of Zanvort. And to be honest, to me, it looks pretty mega for a qualifying track. Um, all the words that have come out of it today is that it will be relentless and all the drivers are pretty excited to get get around it in a modern Formula One car. Adam, I know you've been excited for Zanvort since um, 2019. So give us your um, excitement in word form. Yeah, very. It's just, <clears throat> it's something different. It's genuinely different to most if not all of the other tracks i think yeah qualifying should be mega there'll be you know a bit like magello i think it will look fantastic it's by the sea as well so there'll be helicopter helicopter shots of the sea and the beach um yeah it's just you know turn three is my favorite corner on the f1 game by a significant margin um in wind three, you've got sand dunes, and then it winds up and down, and then to the right, and then to the left, and then, oh, it's just amazing, and it's got a little stadium section, and the Dutch fans are going to be amazing, and it's going to be, yeah, I'm just, I'm so excited, and it's got banking, which is fun. There was a great video of Will Buxton rolling down the banking to test how steep it was, and he didn't actually get as far as I expected, but there we go. Um, video. Why did he do that? It's just going to hurt so much. I liked it. That's, you know, it's <laughs> You don't fun. like Will Buxton? <laughs> I don't mind it, but I liked it. It was, it was great. Um, yeah, it's just, you know, I think hopefully the race, you know, hopefully we get Mercedes and Red Bull fairly close and we get some different strategy or something because I think it will need that to mix it up a bit. But yeah, I'm just, I'm just excited to see a full grid of F1 cars going through. It's quite, some of it's quite narrow, most of it's quite narrow, really. But yeah, I just think there's going to be some fantastic shots and on boards and all of that and scenes of the Dutch fans, I don't know, jumping up and down a lot. Adam Adam gave us a note before we recorded this podcast saying when we get to the Dutch Grand Prix bit, I won't have that much to say, but he's just waxed lyrical for about No, I said I, said, I won't have that much to say other than that I'm really excited. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I'm excited too. Honestly, looking at everything come up with the track today and the redevelopments of it and just the way it looks like such it looks like a cross between Suzuka and Imola for me. And I'm feeling pretty similar to how I did when Imola came back on the grid in terms of like, oh, it'll be great for qualifying. The race will be a bit naff, um, which was the case in 2020. So I think it's going to be pretty similar to that. I think the qualifying is going to be mega and the race might well need to rely on a few little spikes of someone making a mistake in a really unforgiving moment, which seems to be everywhere on this track. Um, and I think, yeah, I think, yeah, Saturday is what I'm buzzing for at the moment. Um, of course, as well as seeing the Orange Army go crazy. Um, just, just, to jump, just to jump in before, actually, as well, there's a lot of um, sand slash gra uh, grass slash gravel runoff. So it's quite punishing if you do make a mistake as well. Sorry, Nigel. Right. Uh, I, I think, well, I can tell you the Dutch are incredibly excited about this. They are absolutely booming. They haven't had it since 1985. It's going to be quite something, even though it will only be two-thirds full from what they, they wanted with 70,000 spectators there. And it's going to be absolutely brilliant. The track is fantastic, proper old school, no track limits at all, which you rarely, which you can rarely say for most, mm. most circuits on the 
current F1 calendar is just going to be so high speed. It's a shame. It's a shame they're not going to have a DRS on the final corner, which they originally planned to, but that might change. They said uh, they're, they're only going to have it down the main straight and then down the back straight. But I think it is going to be something special. The race might not be great, but qualifying it could be. It, it's kind of it kind of makes up for not having the 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 the, the, the Japanese Grand Prix because because Suzuka is is great for qualifying and having Zandvoort kind of makes up for that a bit. Yeah, um, in fact, the track was designed by the same person who designed Suzuka, so the similarities mm. probably are because of that, which is fair enough, really. Um, I'll point you guys to a few quotes that Daniel Ricciardo gave today um, that about basically how tough this track's going to be. He said, it'll be tough on the body. I predict it to be maybe the toughest race for the neck. Um, just looking at the nature of it, we've got 72 laps around here. Such a short lap. It's relentless. Straights are not that long. So we've got maybe two seconds of rest and back in it again for another minute or whatever. It's going to, it's going to be so great, basically. May the strongest, fittest, courageous man win. I think he's basically thinking the driver can make the difference around here, and I'm inclined to agree with him a lot. So you might see some yeah, bigger disparities than usual, even though we just had Spa, where Kimi Raikkonen was two seconds slower than Tony Giovinazzi in qualifying. But anyway, um, yeah. this is going It'll be important to, to be good quickly. So free, free practice one, you can't afford a mistake because learning any new track uh, is tough. So, yeah, and that'll be quite important. The Red Bull, I'd say, have had the edge over Mercedes in that department this year. I think so, too. Um, I'm, I'm buzzing for FP1, really. I'm quite excited just to see this track just as a track. I mean, you see... It's you about 2am two, two for me, Twitter. so... Yeah, pictures on Twitter, and it's like, oh, that looks cool. Can't wait to see a car go around that. You, get to, you see all the steep banking. It's going to be, be a non-event now when an F1 car goes around the banking. It's going to be like, oh, there we go, that's happened now. But it's, I'm really excited. I'm very excited. I'm really excited. Guys, I'm really excited. I'm so excited. Yeah. There's, just, oh, there's just so much to be excited about. And like yeah, I don't know. I don't know whether that will be like dampened after if there's a boring race. But yeah, just to, just to see it in action um, is going to be exceptional. And I cannot wait. It's worth getting up early for. Yeah. Hmm. Do we have any bold predictions for this Dutch Grand Prix? Do you think anything crazy is going to happen? Or even though we just all said that we think it might not. Um, if you had to put your heart on the line and give a really ridiculous prediction, what would you say, Nigel, to? I your don't give ridiculous here. predictions. I just give a prediction. <laughs> all right, do it. Uh, I think Norris will split. Uh, Mercedes and both Red Bull. I think he'll be third, third or fourth. That's fun. I like that. Um, Adam, am I going to like your prediction? I'd, I mean, I've got my ridiculous one would be like someone throws a can of Red Bull at Hamilton's car <laughs> as he's going round or something. Um, for a <laughs> for a more measured one, I don't know. I genuinely, I don't really know what to expect from mm. this. Like, you know, it's. Any any kind of prediction would really be a shot in. I've got another another good qualifying from Russell as he maybe has on the eve of maybe having his Mercedes thing announced. But yeah, I don't, you know, qualifying will be important. Actually, maybe 
One more point for Russell. I'll go another point scoring finish for Russell. So I think qualifying will be important. That's a fun one. Um, I was going to lean towards something like Nigel has done about Norris redemption for qualifying in Spa or that kind of thing. But I think I'm going to go Giovinazzi Q3 just to be weird. Um, just for the well, sake of weird one. <laughs> yeah, that's... You know when you just have like, a punch I'm, that Giovinazzi is going to get into Q3. I'm going to split. I'm going to change my to point scoring for Williams just because... I wanna if Latifi scores points and Russell doesn't, then I'll be fuming. So three points scoring in a row for Latifi. For anyone, any anyone in a Williams is the main thing. Wow. But yeah, I don't know. I, I I don't really know what to expect, which is part of the reason why I'm so hyped. Yeah, Ready? we're we're looking forward to it, as you can tell, dear listener. Um, but yes, that's it from Oh, I dropped the thing I threw in the air on the floor. That's it from us on the Winging at F1 podcast. I didn't see it. This Dutch Grand Prix preview, um, driver market, silly season, lots going on podcast. Extravaganza. Extravaganza. Reunion. Exactly. That's, yeah, it's everything. Yeah. Everything you could want in a podcast. Well. There was everything you wanted <laughs> in this podcast. Um, we were sure. If you wanted something else, Maybe you'll find it on our Twitter feeds. I'm at Fred Coates 1999. Nigel is at Nigel C. Journo, and Adam is at Adam Dickinson 01. Um, he is in America at the moment, so you might get a lot of posts about Oklahoma and American football. Um, yeah, I'm going to the football game this weekend. I'm really excited. It's going to be. We'll get posts about yes, that. <laughs> it's going to be many posts. Um, it's going to be an 11 a.m. kickoff in probably like 35 degree heat. So that's going to be interesting. But take a lot of sun cream and a hat but yeah there wasn't it was they're playing a team from new orleans and it was meant to be at new orleans but obviously of because course. of the hurricane they can't play it there so we've got an extra bonus game which isn't a bonus for people in new orleans but it's a bonus for us getting to watch another football game here and yeah i'm excited for that as well there's just so much to be excited about this weekend yeah it definitely is i mean those of you on the has adam got an american accent yet card bingo competition he hasn't yet i think we can basically confirm but who knows for the review podcast coming out at the start of next week be sure to give it a check out to see how much of a draw he's picked up from an american football game um but before then all the best enjoy the dutch grand prix guys i think we will goodbye yes goodbye I just say bye. No.